Welcome to Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pembroke campus. Well, good morning. Good to have you all here. And I want to just say thank you for enduring a little bit tighter um, than normal. I shouldn't say than normal. It's been tight for a little while um, in here. We do have an overflow area. If for some reason you need a little more space, um, it is televised just outside this uh, door over here. Uh, or if you have a little one that starts to squirm a little bit, you're more than welcome to do that. But uh, because it is getting so full, we were trying to uh, hold this off until the fall, going to multiple services. But um, I, I just don't know how many more people we can fit in here. And then you guys like, stop coming. I don't want you to stop coming. I really do believe that God is doing something unique and special here and in through us. And I think that's why you're here is because you acknowledge that what that's what he's doing. So uh, while we figure this out, please don't say there's no space for me. We'll always make room for you, but know that we are proactively trying to determine how we create more space. Um, I just had a show of hands, though, because a few of you guys have asked this. We're going to be sending out a survey um, here shortly and uh, in the next few weeks to talk about, you know, how do we better serve you. But um, question I have is, is how many people would actually prefer to not have church on Sunday that something during the week is more helpful for them? And probably the people are here are saying, well, that's not me, you're here on Sunday. The people who can't, who are working on Sunday. So maybe I'm asking the wrong crowd that question. Well, then let me just ask the question here. If we did a 9 and 11 o'clock service, how many people would be saying, I'd be at the 11 o'clock service? Raise your hand. Okay, a, a number of you. So so that's kind of what we're thinking, and, and we just don't know the timing of that, but it might be sooner than later. Well, before we get into this new series that we have for us, I, I did want to uh, say thank you to all of those who served at Family Promise this week. If you know, yes, big round of applause for them. If you don't know that ministry, it's a ministry that um, uh, or organization that, that allows um, homeless families or families who are in transition who do not have homes to have an opportunity to stay at local churches and the church will provide meals and then they'll stay overnight with the families. And uh, yeah, we have the, some recipients of Family Promise who are members of our church now. And actually, they got to serve with me. We sat down, had dinner with some of the families uh, um, this week and it was, it was so fun. But I, it takes a lot of people and I really do want to thank uh, Jeremy for uh, your effort, Jeremy Frieda. So give a little hand, wave here, Jeremy. Thank you so much. He leads that up for Grace Capital Church along with his team, Yvonne, and others. So thank you so much. Well, the other thing is we took a pledge as a church in the month of uh, March to uh, all of us committing to be alcohol-free for the uh, for the month and just as a way of saying, hey, if maybe we don't have a real issue with it, but we want to pray for those who do. By the way, I'm not suggesting anybody drinks alcohol here, but I also know in our culture today, it is, uh, it is more common. And so uh, I want to encourage some of you who, who took that challenge and, and I, I maybe keep going. Maybe you're one of the ones that need to keep that encouragement to say, you know what, I really don't need that in my life. In actual, actuality, when it's in my life, my life is not as good. So 
I want to encourage you, don't give up. Still move forward with that. But I also am mindful that there are some who need some additional support. So we are working. We're actively in process that this church will become a center for um, Celebrate Recovery. And um, yes. So anybody who has a hurt, a hang-up, or a habit is, uh, is welcome to be a part of that. But we're in the initial process of getting that hopefully up and going in the next uh, six or seven weeks or so. So be praying about that. Well, that was just kind of um, my, little, my little update for you. There are no life group outlines this week. So if you're a life group leader and you are planning to have your opening session this week, um, please take notes uh, because it's going to be on you to uh, lead the discussion. Well, this series um, is really designed because I've realized that many of us are in these seasons of life that... Um, that this world is a little more complex than it once was. And what seems to be what was right is now wrong, and what was wrong is now right. And where do we find our balance when it comes to marriage and family? So we're going to be talking some issues of marriage, divorce, remarriage, parenting, raising kids, intimacy in marriage, money in marriage, technology in the home, and roles in the home, working in marriage and dating for those of you who are younger in the room who haven't even started um, on this whole journey of uh, what it means to begin uh, finding your future spouse. So before we kind of get into today's topic, if you take your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1, then as you're going there, I I just want to maybe help you recall how this world is so different. So for me, I'm, I'm fairly young still. I'm 47, and, but, but my exposure to TV was we had this black and white TV in a closet that was kept away until it was rolled out a couple times a week. One was Sunday afternoon for the wonderful world of Disney, and another one was for Sesame Street. It was a black and white TV, rabbit ears with tinfoil around it, so we get a little bit better reception. Maybe you remember that. Well, later for me, it was the Dukes of Hazards, the A-Team, Startsky and Hutch, Bionic Man, Magnum P.I. You remember some of those. Now, if I was really bad, I- I'm, I'm admitting something here for you. So, so I would sneak down when it... Maybe my parents are away, but I would turn the TV on to watch some risky shows. The Love Boat, very risky. Scantily dressed women in the Love Boat. And then, and then Dallas. Dallas, ooh, that was very, very naughty of me. Well, let me go a little bit sooner, though. So let's include some of other generations. So um, maybe for some of you, we got to go back earlier. So Bonanza, I Love Lucy. The Lone Ranger, Leave it to Beaver, Father Knows Best. You know, in the 50s, it looked very differently, right? We, we typically, it was just the dad that would go to work. Mom was home looking after the house, making meals. You'd always have a family sit down for a meal. Most families had a rainy day fund or a nest egg, and um, people would stay in their jobs for the majority of their life. That was probably in the 50s. And, you know, the latest gossip you would t- you'd be able to get was you've got to pick up the party line. Does anybody remember the party lines? And if you're really bad, you might try to listen in to your neighbor's conversation. I know, kids, you have no clue what I'm talking about. 
But it just goes to show how different there, this time is. So, you know, and then let's just talk about some, some risky topic, if you will. So in the 40s, it was very risky to have these pinups that would show a woman's legs. That was the 40s. In the 50s, these were still clothed women, but in the 50s, you would all then have these, these other center folds or pinups, but it would shift from the riskiness of legs to the riskiness of, you know, the upper part of the body for the women. And, but they were fully clothed. And then back in, then in the 70s, then all of a sudden you had this pervasiveness of these magazines. But even still, back in the day, as a kid, you'd either have to steal something from the store because you wouldn't be caught buying any of that stuff, or you would find this magazine or what have you. But today, but today, everybody has full access to incredible nudity and explicit material in everybody's pocket. It's on their phone. And we live in this day that uh, marriage is optional. We live today where we're wrestling with the concepts of same-sex marriage, and we're trying to understand how do we navigate these understandings that we now have to have transgender bathrooms because somebody might feel they're a different gender. And, And how does that affect dating? How does the pervasiveness of this stuff on our phones? How does that affect intimacy in marriage? How is it that we have so many people living together and saying, you know what, I've seen the the atrocities of divorce in my own life. I'm never going to get married. And yet, you know, is that in keeping with God's word or is it not in keeping with God's word? And so you can see how we live now in a culture that's very confused. And we have to say, is there truth? Is there a foundation? Is there something that we need to build our life on? Or is it just left up to the culture to tell us what is right and what is wrong? You know, I have to say that there's a thought, is different wrong and is normal right? Is different wrong? So back, if you grew up in the 50s or 40s, 50s, 60s, very different today. So do you have to say, well, the way that we used to live is right? Or anybody under 20 today would like have no clue what you're talking about with regards to rotary phones and party lines and, you know, black and white TVs and... And it's normal right, though. Is the culture today and our young people, what... what the media tells us, what our cult, is that right? Where do we find the answers? And I just want to encourage you that, that we need to keep checking into what the Bible says. Because if we don't, we're going to get, we're going to lose our way. You know, and here's the reality. When we live outside of God's original design, and that's what we're going to spend our time talking about today, we really need to go back to Genesis to say, God, what was your original design? How did you purpose humanity? How do we look at that and then create some framework, a frame? We'll go all the way from Old Testament, New Testament, and talk about these topics, but we have to keep going back to the framework of God's original design. Because if we start living out of God's original design, where we can maybe get through life, but you're going to find that life gets a little bit more difficult, you're more weighted down, 
and we can easily lose our balance. Life's more dangerous. And let me show you a few pictures of, of, of things that were, are being used beyond their original designs. Look at some of these pictures. That truck is probably a little bit more weighted down. He was probably not designed to carry all that. The next picture. How about that one? He probably can drive, but he probably has to stick his head out the window to actually see. Um, that's not the original design. It's a little bit more dangerous. He might get from point A to point B, but there's a, a danger written all over that. One more. There's a good one for you. So life just can get a little bit more. You feel like you maybe can get through life, right? You're here. And so you're getting through life, but does it really have to be that difficult? Does it have to be that dangerous and that weighted down? Life is difficult in itself, let alone living outside of God's original plan and purpose. So today we're just going to spend a few moments looking in Genesis to really understand God's original design for us. And we're going to make some conclusions and just kind of set some groundwork before we actually start going into these uh, topics over the next few weeks. So if you have your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, we're going to ver- uh, start in verse 26. This is the creation account, and I want us to kind of pick up who are the characters in this narrative. In other words, who are the people that um, this, the scripture is talking about? Um, from my perspective, some people would say, well, this is an allegory, or this is just a story to help us understand something that we didn't um, really understand before. Was there truly a creation account? I, I believe the word of God is true. I believe there was a true creation. I believe that God created um, humanity. And so, so we do need to start with a baseline of understanding, is this really true? Because if you, if you don't believe this, then it really becomes very difficult to have any footing whatsoever when it comes to these challenging life issues. But anyways, in Genesis 1, we'll start in 26, it says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. Interesting thing right there. You see that God blessed them. So after he created them, he blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish in the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on earth. Okay, then we want to move over to chapter 2 of Genesis, starting in verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. So this is even before the curse, man was designed to work, to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat, you shall surely die. 
Okay, God's giving instruction. He gives instruction to have dominion over the earth. He's giving him instruction, don't eat of this one tree. Continue on. Then the Lord God said to them, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heaven and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. In other words, God formed every animal from the earth and then brought them to Adam and Adam was to name all the animals. And what the man called every living creature was that name. The man gave names to all the livestock uh, and all the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs, closed it back up the place of the flesh, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is my bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and he shall call her, and, she, and she shall be called, whoa, man. Whew. Whoa, man, she's beautiful. I think that's how she got her name, quite frankly. He was overtaken by just how beautiful she was, and he goes, whoa, man. And so they named her woman. Okay, that was a Mark version of the Bible. Don't take that one. The, yeah, the new translation. Uh, the translation of Professor Mark translating the Bible. All right, moving right along. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. This is actually scripture that we would use, we would hear at weddings, right? Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. It's really important that you understand this whole one flesh thing, because when we start talking about divorce, when we start, start talking about remarriage, we're going to go back to this, because it's a really important concept. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. All right. Well, later it goes on to talk about that they, um, the woman went on and ate from this tree that they were, not, they were asked not to eat from. So God gave instruction to Adam not to eat from this tree. Eve goes ahead and um, takes a bite of this fruit from the tree, but we have to understand who else is in the story. So right now, all we have is in the story, we have God. Well, it's probably the Trinity because he says we're going to make man in our image. It's plural. So uh, we believe that Jesus was a part of creation. He pre-existed with God the Father. We know that God created man first, and then out of Adam, he created the woman who actually, interestingly enough, Adam named her Eve. So Adam also named um, Eve, named the woman Eve. Well, but here comes another person, or I should another, another influence in this story, and is the serpent, otherwise known as Satan. So Satan tempts the woman to eat of this fruit. And Eve does. She also convinces Adam to. And at that point in time, 
everything starts to crumble. If you pick up and look with me at verse chapter 3, verse 14, we went from the Lord blessing them to now, because of their disobedience, they faced a curse. So then God goes on and say, okay, to the serpent, you know, this is the curse you're going to live under. For the woman, this is the curse of that disobedience. You have uh, increased your pain in childbearing. Anybody experience pain in childbearing? You can thank Eve for that right there. Um, for the man, he said, um, you know, because of this, Adam, you're going to have to work hard and you're going to have to wrangle with the earth. There's going to be thistles. There's going to have to be uh, the sweat of your brow that you're going to basically try to eat. And so even though you're working before, now that your work is going to feel like labor. And then you will die and you'll return back to the dust of which you were formed. So we've introduced this other character, Satan, the serpent, into this. And this is really important that we first begin to understand this. So, so you see this slide up here. It says, living according to God's design brings you blessing, peace, and joy. Because before, before Adam and Eve ate of that fruit, they were in relationship with their father, with God. See, God designed humanity to be in close proximity to him, to have this intimate relationship. And God uh, will look together at covenantal relationship because we have to understand our covenantal relationship with God if we're going to understand the covenantal relationship in marriage. It's just not a legal thing. It's just not going to the to the city or the town and get your marital license and now we're legally bound. There's, there's something way more to this. It's, it's a covenantal relationship. And we know this because after Adam and Eve sinned, God was looking for them in the cool of the day. God was walking through the garden and saying, Adam and Eve, where are you? Now, he's God. He knew where they are, but they were hiding in it. It goes to show what happens when sin enters the earth, and when we sin ourselves, how it separates a relationship. It's not only a relationship with God, but it's a relationship with one another. And so it's really important that when we begin to understand what has taken place here, and I would say the first sin is is the very thing that God, why God had to kick Adam and Eve out of the garden, I want to see if I can find that right now for you. I can tell you what it is. I I just can't remember the scripture verse where it is. But what he did is he says, because you have become like us. If you want to do some work this, um, this week on it, look for that. Because you have become like us, we're going to have to have you leave the garden. See, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is really important that we understand what that tree was and why God gave that instruction to Adam and Eve and why it's going to be so important to get this baseline um, concept under our belts before we go through anything else. The knowledge of the tree of good and evil was really about this. 
to saying that God himself wanted to be the ultimate authority of determining what was right and wrong. Listen to this one more time. God wanted to be the ultimate authority to determine what was right and wrong. And the moment that Adam and Eve said, we know, we want to know ourselves what is right and wrong, and we want to make those determinations ourselves, God says, I can't have you in the garden. And because of that, you have wanted to become like us, and this is now where the chain of the curse starts to fall into humanity. And why we will continue to fight this and fight this for all generations until Jesus comes back to earth, which, by the way, Jesus is going to be coming back to earth. And so, and we are excited for that day, right? We are excited for that day. But as, as we realize that when humanity wants to decide what is right or wrong, outside of God's authority who has determined what's right and wrong, it will all go bad. And we see that in the very first account, the very first story of the humanity where Adam and Eve decide to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the knowledge of right and wrong. And so God says, you, you, you have wanted to become like us, and therefore we, we can't have you because you might now eat from the tree of life, and then all these different things would take place. So he's saying, no, you have to go out of the garden. I, I want us to understand these few principles. It has to do with authority. It has to do with authority. God's word is the ultimate authority for us. God is the ultimate authority, number one, but then he gave us his word. And if we don't believe that this is his ultimate authority, we will continue to live our life self-determining based on your circumstance, based on the culture, what is right or wrong, and you're going to determine what that is without the word of God. And it will leave you separated from God, and it will leave you under a curse. The reality is God wants you to be under his authority. And when we live under his authority, it will be a blessing for us, not a curse. So understanding the difference between curses and blessings, and by the way, God himself won't be cursing you. It's actually going to be the very nature that is in us, our sinful nature, and the influence of the demonic and the influence of Satan that will bring that curse upon us. Now, when we realize that God has given us authority, he's passed that authority to man, and I would say to humanity. Now, there's going to be order there. We're going to be talking about the order of husbands and wives, and you're going to love this one. You know, we love that submission word. We'll talk about it, and for you guys, you're going to be surprised what it really means. I'll, I'll give you a hint, guys, already. No, I won't. I won't. I won't. I'm going to keep you in suspense till when we get there. But he's given the authority, right? Because he says, now, man or humanity, I'm going to give you all authority over the earth. Name the animals. You have charge over the earth. 
Now, where man loses his authority, and this is so important because this is where the curse stuff comes in. When the man loses his authority, he can only lose it when he chooses to give up his placement under God's authority. When man chooses to remove himself under God's authority, it actually gives authority to Satan to bring influence into your life. The only authority Satan has is what is given to him. So important to know because it will solve a lot of things for us when we realize that, wait a second, maybe, just maybe, I've given permission in these areas for Satan to work in my life because I've given up on the God-given authority that he's given to me because my job and our job as humans is to respond to the authority that God has given us. So it's not our authority, it's God's authority. And he wants us to live under that authority, but the moment we choose to say, I want to determine what's right and wrong myself, we now then are no longer under God's authority and we've given that authority over to Satan to influence our life. Okay, so this is going to be the the framework of which I'm setting all this up to deal with family matters, marriage and family matters. So you have to come to a place of understanding this is ultimately God's authority because if you don't, then this is just going to be noise for you for the next seven or eight weeks because if this is not the baseline, then it's based on Mark's authority, your authority, whether we agree or disagree, based on preference. I want to say I have no authority besides what God's authority is. I'm not going to give you my opinion. I'm going to might give you a, a few anecdotal things from experience, but at the end of the day, the only authority I have is the authority that is right here. But if we don't understand this is the ultimate authority, we're going to struggle all the way through this series because we're going to make it feel like it's subjective. How could it possibly be that that the world says this, and yet the Bible says this. And if we don't place ourselves underneath God's authority, remember, this is why it's also important, you have to remember what takes place when we choose to not live under God's authority, and then we determine what's right or wrong ourselves, like the very first sin of Adam and Eve, then we give the authority to Satan to influence us. And we wonder why we struggle so much. We wonder why we carry this big, massive burden like those pictures. It's because we are trying to live a way that we weren't designed to live. We were designed to live under God's rule and reign. Jesus is the King of Kings. He he has the ultimate authority as depicted by the Word of God. So I also set this up. So when I start talking about some things about divorce and remarriage, and when I start talking about some things that might seem countercultural, it might make you feel a little uneasy, I don't want the hate mail. I want you to go to God's word. <laughs> I want you to say, is Mark really saying what is in God's word? And then if it is, then you got to take it to the Lord and say, God, how do I get my life to come into better alignment underneath this? 
All right. It's clear that I don't have the authority. It's God's word that does. But I want to say I've been married 25 years in May. I have three lovely kids, an 18-year-old, a 16-year-old, an 11-year-old. So I, I have been around the block a little bit. Lastly, I do want to know that these subjects and these topics are going to be really sensitive to many. Because if you're living outside of God's word, first and foremost, you might feel some conviction. That's okay. It's the Lord bringing conviction. But one thing I do want to say is there'll never, ever, ever be judgment from me and I hope from nobody else in this room. This is a judgment-free zone. Because here's the reality. We've all been there to some degree at some point. Some looks a little bit differently, but guess what? There's been times in our lives and probably still today that we don't come in complete alignment to the authority of God's word. And we're a work in progress. But one thing I am going to ask you is to stay open to God's word. Stay open to allow the Holy Spirit to work inside of you in a safe place where you're going to say, I'm willing to discover what God's word says. Because I'm very aware that we don't talk a lot about certain of these topics that the world has become very common with. But I really feel like it's not a season to be bashful about what God's word says or try to tone it down to better fit the cultural norm. Instead, it's a season to grow us all to a place of saying, how do we better receive the blessing of God in our life by coming better aligned to what, how his original design was for us? And then we begin to start unpacking those things and start realizing maybe I gave permission for the enemy to influence me in these ways that has brought a curse on my life, hardship in my life, depression, pain, discomfort. And we're going to gently journey together to say we're going to come into better alignment with the Word of God. And we're going to give each other lots of space and lots of grace. But we're not going to be bashful by the truth. But I would hope that you would come back week after week, prayed up saying, God, if there is something in my life that is not in alignment to what is being spoke on, please give me the courage to not be offended. Please give me the courage to stay open in my heart, supple and pliable that I might be able to come into this place of the journey to get closer to alignment. For example, I I know that there are many of you guys living together that aren't married. And we've had open conversations with some of you and and but I also want you to know, but you're still here and you know that cuz I love you. <laughs> and you always have a place to be here. But at the same and I know it's complicated these days. I mean, we got welfare involved, we got, you know, child situations but, but I want us to keep ourselves in a place of saying, 
but I'm, but am I really receiving all that God has for me by living outside of his original design? Just as an example. And the only reason I bring that one up is because I'm in a relationship with most of those people who find themselves in that situation. They know that I love them and I don't judge them, but I'll also keep encouraging them in a certain direction. But I feel for this season that the Lord is bringing us to, because you see, when Jesus comes back, he's looking for a bride. And we're going to talk about this too, the connection of the church and Jesus as the bridegroom and the bride and how also our marriages are to be a reflection to the world, this relationship. But the reality is he's looking for a bride who's ready for his return. And so that's my deep heart and conviction and passion is to say, Jesus, how do I help this body continue to grow into the grace that you have for us to better reflect this bride that you're looking for when you return. And I love that this building is full. And by the way, you guys are in the overflow right now. I'm talking to you as well. And uh, so I'm talking right there to that camera, which will be in that room right there. Can I hear you guys clap and cheer in the overflow? There we go. <laughs> Good job, guys. <laughs> So would you journey with me? Stay open. I'm going to be talking about some really difficult things, but I guarantee it will be done with grace. It will be done with great compassion. There's going to be no judgment, but we're going to be true to what God's word says about these issues that are around marriage and family. Would you be okay with that? All right, let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd protect each one of our hearts as we go through this together. Lord Jesus, um, I understand there's so much pain, there's so much hurt, there's so much mistrust, there's so much um, challenges as it deals with marriage. And actually, I, I know there's people in the room right now that are hurting in their marriage. And by no means, Lord, do we ever want to minimize the hurt and pain that people walk through when there's been challenges in their marriages. Father, when we see, when we talk about the issues of parenting, and Lord, I know the hurt and pain of, of saying, man, if I would have done it differently, if I would have known that then. But Lord, I pray for anyone that's made a decision that it can't be changed poor decisions that are now faced a reality that might knowing would have been contrary to your word. Lord, I pray that everyone would feel your, your love and grace, that you are a redeeming God, that you will continue to make a bad situation good. That's just the way you work. Father, I pray that a heart of redemption would also be felt in this room. Lord, that, that we realize that we are all human beings who have made mistakes, who have a past, who have made poor decisions. We know that we have been the recipients of other people's poor decisions. 
which kind of fragment us, Lord. But Lord, you wanted us to bring us into wholeness. You want to bring us into freedom. You want to bring us into a place of blessing. So God, I just pray that we would stay open, stay open to to continue to align to your authority, God. That where we've opened up avenues of given our authority away to to the world, to the enemy, that his job is to rob, kill, and destroy. And Lord Jesus, I pray over the weeks that we would realign that so the enemy no longer has any authority in those areas. Father, I love this congregation, um, but not more than you love it. More, not more than you love each person here with great, great, deep, deep love that you gave your life for the people here. Lord, I, I just wonder, I just wonder if there are people who want to come to you today, Lord Jesus. With everybody's head still closed, uh, bowed and eyes closed. So anybody here who says, you know, I, I want to give my life to Jesus today. If that's you, could you just raise your hand? Just keep it up until I see you. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? Okay. Anybody else? Keep your hand up. Thank you. Right there. Okay. You can put your hands down. For those of you who raised your hands today, you can just pray after me. There's there's no such thing as a sinner's prayer in, in the Bible, but yet we know that what we need to do is confess with our mouth that you are Lord Jesus. So just just with your mouth right now, under your breath, Lord Jesus, you are my Lord. I give my life to you. Then you ask us to repent. Repent is turn the other direction. So Lord Jesus, I, I'm, I'm sorry for the way that I've been going. I've been going a selfish, careless way. And I want to turn my direction around and, and live according to your way. Help me to do that, Lord Jesus. I'm sorry for my my mistakes, sorry for my past sins. Jesus, I want to live for you. Please forgive me. And now heaven is celebrating. Angels are, are cheering for those five hands that raised, raised their hands today. And we celebrate Lord Jesus as well with them. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, church, as we uh, sing this last song, um, I do want to be mindful. Um, can you um, can you grab your kids if you have kids? It is a few minutes to eleven, and I want to make sure we don't keep our children's workers. But stay here and and sing uh, this final song. If you need prayer this morning, can I actually have my prayer team come forward now, just so we can see who you are? So if somebody needs prayer, prayer team, if you just come at this point in time, yeah. Um, Anybody else? Prayer team, prayer team. Thank you. Just so you can see who they are. So if you need prayer, please come forward. I want to make sure that you get the ministry that you need today. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 